if we look to the answer as to why for so many years we achieved so much, prospered as no other people on earth, it was because here in this land we unleashed the energy and individual genius of man to a greater extent than has ever been done before. Those who say that we're in a time when there are no heroes, they just don't know where to look. The sloping hills of Arlington National Cemetery with its row upon row of simple white markers, bearing crosses or stars of David, they add up to only a tiny fraction of the price that has been paid for our freedom. As for the enemies of freedom, those who are potential adversaries, they will be reminded that peace is the highest aspiration of the American people. We will negotiate for it, sacrifice for it. We will not surrender for it now or ever. We are Americans. Authority on AM 1420. The answer. Yes, indeed. And hour number two is away on AM 1420. The answer. Thanks so much for being with us. Um, it is a Friday, a free for all Friday. It's the 24th morning of the fourth month of the year of our Lord 2020. Let's get all of the details out of the way here. I, I, I just, something struck me literally as the show open or the hour open was playing there <clears throat> from President Reagan because yesterday. You know, sometimes, because I play that at the top of every hour, right, sometimes it just becomes background noise. You've heard it so many times, you can almost quote it. If you listen to the show regularly, you can almost quote it, right? And um, so when you can do that, it, it sometimes the words lose their meanings. They just kind of get lost in an overall, yeah, here's the Reagan thing again. And yesterday I had uh, Dr. Everett Piper on as my regular Thursday guest, <clears throat> and Dr. Piper and I were talking about safety and security versus liberty, versus freedom, versus the Bill of Rights, versus the Constitution as a whole. And um, he brought something up that I just kind of reminded me of what I just said, that sometimes we hear things, but we stop listening, especially if we've heard them enough. It's kind of like, (laughs) excuse me, it's kind of like um, sometimes a great football coach will have to leave his team um, and go coach somewhere else because his voice, no matter how great of a coach he is, his voice grows stale in the ears of his players, the ones that have been there for a very long time, and they stop meaning as much. And so sometimes that you know proverbial change of scenery is needed. Now, it can be football, baseball, whatever. Um, and I think that's kind of what happened here because I kind of forgot this part, I didn't forget about it, but I didn't really apply it to the current situation of Governor Mike DeWine and Dr. Labcoat Acton and others trying to, quote-unquote, provide us with safety and security from the coronavirus um, and surrendering our liberties for it. And Dr. Piper heard that yesterday and said, you know, just like President Reagan says at the end of your open there, and I thought, I'll be darned, he does, doesn't he? So I'm taking a stab here to see if I have the file in front of me. Normally we have Derek playing this from his side of the board um, uh, or Andrew at the uh, top of the hour here. But let me see if I can just grab the very end of the opening uh, part of the, sh- uh, the the hour that we use with President. 
No, no, that was too far back. Or uh, too far. Let's go. sacrifice for it. There it is. That's it. That's it right there. This is totally off the cuff. So this is radio without a net. Okay, if I fall, I fall. Um, this wasn't planned. I just I remembered Piper yesterday, and I just heard President Reagan at the top of the hour. And I wanted to hit this again, so I grabbed this blind, and uh, that's why I'm kind of just stabbing here. So bear with me, will you please? Potential adversaries, they will be reminded that peace is the highest aspiration of the American people. We will negotiate for it, sacrifice for it. We will not surrender for it now or ever. All right, I think that's that's the 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 line that Dr. Piper was kind of paraphrasing. Now, the actual word was peace. And of course, he's talking about our enemies. We will indeed go to war to preserve peace. We will negotiate for it, we will sacrifice for it, but we will never surrender in order to achieve peace. We will fight and protect our liberties in order to achieve peace. I think what Dr. Piper did and what I'm doing right now is I'm kind of substituting the words safety and security for peace. We will negotiate for it. We will sacrifice for it. We have sacrificed for it. We will not surrender our liberties for it. We cannot. Because if you surrender your liberties for a short while, for a period of time, you will surrender them for all time. When have you ever known government to give back things that they've taken from you? If they take your liberty from you, they're going to make you get used to living without it. And then the next thing that they want to heavy-handedly impose upon you will be that much easier because you're used to it. We cannot surrender for it. I keep hearing Mike DeWine's voice from yesterday's press conference, we had it in the top of the hour news. We're we're just not ready. We're just not ready yet. I, I keep hearing it. And it just makes me cringe with the with the the weakness and the, the 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 fear and the cowardliness of the of the statement. I, I I keep listening to it. and It just makes me cringe. Listen again. We're just not quite ready to do it. That's what it is. We're just not quite ready. It's just these are significant decisions that impact people's lives, both from a health point of view and from an economic point of view. See, he keeps saying that it's an economic point of view versus a health point of view. Mike DeWine, stop it. It is not about dollars and cents versus health or lives. He keeps saying that it's an economic. The economy is people. Okay? It's not about reviving this bland, cold, faceless thing called the economy and then comparing that to, well, preserving people's lives. The economy is people. People are out of work. A million Ohioans. 26 million Americans. They can't pay their bills or feed their families. That's the quote-unquote economy. It's people. And there is a health cost to that. There are lives at stake. And he and they are ready to surrender those lives, all in deference to the only lives that matter. The coronavirus lives. If not now, Mike DeWine... And Dr. Labcoat, when? It won't be any damn different in June. 
It will not be any different at all in August. You've admitted it. That's why your lab coat uh, 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 sidekick there, technically you're the sidekick. She's Batman, you're Robin. She's got all of the power, according to Ohio law, in the case of a pandemic, the Ohio health director, Health Department of Health Director uh, gets to give all orders. And they must be followed. So she's she's got your courage, and I'm going to use that as my as my synonym here for what I really mean to say. In her purse, she's making the calls. But the bottom line is, she said herself that we're going to be dealing with this for the next 18 months until there's a vaccine. So if nothing's going to be different in June or July or August or next December then why not open the doggone floodgates now and get people back to work? We'll deal with this. You said we had to flatten the curve. We did. That was the only, only metric you were using to make sure that the hospitals didn't get overrun. Well, the hospitals didn't get overrun. Hospitals are laying people off in droves. And you say, well, that's because, you know, we, we said that you can't do elective surgeries. And we're going to start opening that back up to elective surgeries starting on Monday. So what? The reason there weren't going to be elective surgeries is why? So that those hospital personnel that would have been dealing with elective surgeries can all be mobilized to deal with corona patients. But the coronavirus patients aren't nearly enough to keep them employed. So they're all being laid off. Think about the insanity, Mike DeWine, and yet you sit there at your little podium yesterday. We're just not quite ready to do it. That's what it is. We're just not quite ready. It's just these are significant decisions that impact people's lives, both from a health point of view and from an economic point of view. What will make you ready to do it if nothing is going to be different? You and your lunatic in the lab coat are telling people that the only way to be immune and to go about your business in the state of Ohio is to have recovered from COVID, to have the antibodies. But you and your lunatic in a lab coat are telling everybody to stay in place so you don't get COVID and develop the antibodies. Think about the insanity of your proposals. No, not proposals, edicts mandates, orders. You're just not ready. You're just not ready. Stop prioritizing COVID-19 deaths over every other deaths. Stop prioritizing COVID deaths over suicides, over drug overdoses, over uh, over um, uh, alcohol-related deaths, because those are climbing to astronomical levels as they do every time there is a recession or depression, especially one that is forced, that is controllable, like this one. You and your ilk continue to to, to use the animal farm method of mortality. Some deaths are more equal than others. In other words, some are more important than others. I talked about this with Piper yesterday, too. In New York State, Andrew Cuomo and his, uh, his health director and health officials have appointed themselves God. They have given themselves a promotion from state health directors and governors to God. We will decide who lives and who dies. Paramedics in the state of New York have been operating under guidelines that said they can spend up to 20 minutes and should spend up to 20 minutes trying to revive people found to be in cardiac arrest. 
people with no pulse, 20 minutes trying to revive them. They have now been told not to. Don't try to revive people who are found to be in cardiac arrest. Let them die. Let them stay dead. Because if you try to revive them, they're going to take up space that could be used for us to try to save COVID patients. We decide who lives and who dies. We decide who gets life-saving treatment from healthcare professionals and who doesn't. And the ones that we have chosen are the COVID patients, the, 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 the special crowd, the citizens who are suffering from this terrible pandemic matter more than somebody who suffered from a God-blasted heart attack. This is a New York Health Department memo, memo issued last week. The changes were necessary during the COVID-19 response. And this is an incredible admission. We are choosing to let some people die in order to try to save other people. And the other people are the COVID people. Mike DeWine, we're not ready. The, uh, the health, uh, the health uh, scare is still there. It's just we're not ready. There's still people who could get COVID. Yeah, and what? 99.5% of them survive. 99.5% of them survive. But they're the only deaths that you're worried about. It is weak. It is weenie. It is unbecoming the governor of our state. Claim your manhood. Get it back. Appoint a director of health that is actually going to care about the health of all Ohioans, not just the COVID patients. Send Dr. Labcoat back to a lab where she'll actually have a reason to wear that thing. She has no business making decisions for the state of Ohio. Yeah, and I know you don't like this, and I know you probably won't come on again, because I know you're getting word of what France is saying up there in Cleveland when you decide what interviews you're going to do. But I don't care. I'm going to invite you back on the show. I'm going to invite John Husted back on the show, and I want to talk to you, and I want to get this through your head. But I'm telling you right now, you said the buck stops with you because you hired Amy Acton. You're damn right it does. And we're going to hold you accountable for that as well. We'll be right back. Ten twenty-five. Get a couple of phone calls in here. Apologies for uh, taking up some of the phone call time, but I, there's just some things that need to be said. Steve is in uh, North Ridgeville. Steve, you're on AM fourteen twenty. The answer. Good morning, and go right ahead, Steve. Hi, thanks for taking my call, Bob. My pleasure. I'm just getting frustrated um, with Doctor Fauci. I mean, obviously deserves the accolades that he gets, but there was a call on. Uh, Steve, I can't hear you, bud. I think your phone's dying. Oh, can you hear me now? Uh, I got you now when you say that. Isn't it funny how whenever somebody says, can you hear me now, the answer is yes, and then you go on talking and you can't hear what follows. That's all it always is. But try it again, Steve. Go ahead. <laughs> sorry, sorry. Um, I think Donald Trump, President Trump, needs to have an infect- another infectious disease doctor, more people to take advice from. If, if he's not behind the scenes, I, there's too much credence given to Dr. Fauci, and I really wish that he would stop allowing him, and I know it's a tough thing, but to go on all these media outlets 
where he's professing things that are nothing but pessimism. I really wish he would get more optimistic people on board because these, these shows that Dr. or, or President Trump is putting on are starting to resemble Mike DeWine. And I think the real hero in this is going to be the governor of the state of Georgia because when he starts opening the state like he is and he shows that it's a success, this whole charade is going to fall apart. I'll, yeah, I'll and, and President Trump, and President Pr- Trump, Thank very you. vocally. Di- no, stay here, Steve. President Trump very vocally disagreed with the governor of Georgia and and said so. And and so, what I want to know is, should we be evaluating the president in the same way we're evaluating the governor of Ohio, Mike DeWine, because he really has been kind of all in. Now, there have been moments where he has said, "No, we really need to open up sooner rather than later," and he's you know pushed people, but. But President Trump has not been that far off from all of the liberal Democrat governors who have said, let's keep everything closed down for fear of the, uh, you know, a new spike in the in the uh, in the virus. He, he is very passive, in my opinion, right now. And, and the boldness that he normally comes at things is incredibly tempered. And I just don't yeah. know why, giving all the numbers that we know now now know about this virus. And Fauci, again, um, I respect the man for it, for, for, but he's been there forever, Bob. Yeah, and I think since he's Reagan. He's been in that swap. role since Reagan. He's got to stay off these news outlets that do nothing but drive his pessimism up. I mean, it's just ridiculous. All they do is try well, to drive and the, the, away the worst part him about him Trump. being on all those shows, Steve, and I'm, I'm going to let you go there. Thank you for the call. The worst part about him being on all those shows is he'll say something different from one show to the next. That's the most frustrating thing. And if President Trump is trying to follow Dr. Fauci's advice, no wonder he seems like he's all over the place because Fauci is all over the place. He really is. And that's frustrating. Uh, AC in Cleveland next. AC, go ahead. Bob? Yes, sir. Going along with what you just said a few minutes ago, okay, there's a scripture in 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 3, that says, For when they shall say, Peace and safety, then sudden destruction cometh upon them, as travail upon a woman with child, and they shall not escape. My point is, whenever a man promises peace and safety, watch out. Because in Nazi Germany, they promised the German people peace and safety when Hitler came to power, and the Germans believed it, and look what happened. That's a very good point, my friend, and I appreciate uh, the analogy. Thank you, uh, AC in Cleveland. All right, it's 1030. Excuse me, we're going to get a timeout. And on the other side, uh, I'm going to be talking to a gentleman who's working in the Ohio State House. And that would be uh, State Representative Bill Seitz. And that's going to give me the reason, all the reason I need to tell you to go and talk to Bill Seitz and go and talk to every member of the Ohio State Legislature in a very, very loud way. And this isn't to target Mr. Seitz, of course, but the uh, protest tomorrow is called the Let Ohio Work Again protest surrounding the State House tomorrow in Columbus at 1 o'clock. Get there early and get in line to participate either by surrounding the State House in traffic with your car and taping. Open Ohio Now logos in your car windows or by showing up on foot on the west west side of the state house. They're going to try to grow this and make this the biggest, most vocal demand to open the state of Ohio back. 
um, right now that they have had thus far. And so I want you to be a part of that if you are at all able to do so. Tomorrow, 1 o'clock at the State House, be there and be a part of the um, solution rather than the part of the problem. Uh, Bill Seitz will join me next right here on 1420 The Answer. Onward we roll. 24 minutes of Outstanding Awesome left in this Friday edition of The Authority. Appreciate you being uh, with us. Speaking of authority, apparently uh, Amy Acton has it and not Mike DeWine. And Amy Acton has instructed Mike DeWine to answer questions uh, about when we are going to reopen the state this way. We're just not quite ready to do it. That's what it is. We're just not quite ready. It's just these are significant decisions that impact people's lives, both from a health point of view and from an economic point of view. You could have just stopped with a health point of view, Governor. You could have just stopped with the health point of view. Yes, people whose economic fortunes have been ruined, people who are unemployed, people whose businesses, businesses have been closed, their health is in peril. It is not only COVID patients whose health should be considered here. Governor DeWine says we're not ready. We're just not ready. And I promise you on May 1st he won't be ready either. Joining us now to discuss what is going on in our great state, as we face a calamity of about a million Ohioans unemployed, filing for unemployment unemployment in the last five weeks, 26-plus million Americans doing the same thing. Ohio State Representative Bill Seitz from the Cincinnati area, District 30 in our state. Uh, Mr. Seitz, good morning. How are you, sir? Uh, great, Bob. Happy to be on your show. Good to have you. I wish we could talk about things that are a little bit uh, less uh, stressful and anxious, but here we are. Um, Mr. Seitz, I... I'm frustrated. Ohioans all over the place are frustrated. Tomorrow there's going to be a massive protest surrounding the State House to express that frustration and to demand that Governor DeWine uh, open the state of Ohio for business and to do so um, very expeditiously. Um, what I want to know is, since he won't listen to us and he won't really listen to anybody, it seems, other than Dr. Acton, is do you think that maybe it's time for him to listen to you and other members of the General Assembly? What can you, what kinds of conversations have you and others in the legislature had with the governor? Because you guys play a role in this, too. Well, uh, I look, the first thing we're going to do uh, was announced just yesterday by our Speaker, Larry Householder. Uh, uh, Amy Acton and, and Governor DeWine do not have any power over the State General Assembly. The State General Assembly, at least on the House side, is coming back to work on May 4th. We will have staggered times for staff to report. The staff will be working partly at the office, partly from home. Uh, we're taking everybody's temperature. We're enforcing social distancing. We're, we're spreading out committee rooms and having one room for the committee members, one room for the press and the witnesses. Uh, uh, it'll be a little bit... Uh, uh, unusual the way we operate, but we feel it's very important to demonstrate to the people of Ohio uh, that uh, public confidence must be restored and that we can do the best that we can do by getting back to business. There is a raft of unfinished business uh, in the Ohio House and Senate, and there are huge questions that we are going to be grappling with over the next two months, uh, not least of which is how to spend the approximate $5 billion dollars that the federal government has given Ohio for the state and its local governments to uh, address aspects of the current crisis and how to balance our budget, because unlike our friends in Washington, we are not allowed to have an unbalanced budget. Uh, our liberal friends who perhaps care 
less about private enterprise than we do as Republicans are very quickly, I think, going to realize that we need to move forward to restore public confidence and open the economy sooner rather than later because public sector revenues are in the toilet. Uh, we have had uh, casinos and racinos closed, so no revenue from them. The and permit income, way down. Sales tax revenue, way down. Remember, food and medicines are not subject to sales tax in Ohio. Income tax, way down uh, as people are laid off and as many others have taken pay cuts in an effort to keep afloat. So when that happens, we will have no choice but to make very, very painful budget cuts. Uh, and all of the great work that we did a year and a half ago, which was a flush budget year, uh, will likely be reversed very quickly uh, unless we can use this federal money to cover part of the shortfall. So there's a lot for us to do, and I believe the first thing we can do is to lead by example. Now, as to the discussions that many of us have had with Governor DeWine, it's been an effort to uh, convince him that uh, you need to tell the whole story about the numbers. Uh, and what do I mean by that? I mean that instead of just saying the total number of hospitalizations since the inception of the disease and the total number of uh, ICU admissions since the inception of the disease, how about telling the people of Ohio what the current numbers are? And the current numbers are there's only about a 1,000 people statewide in the hospital for COVID, and there's only about 490 people uh, that are of that number that is in the ICU. Uh, of the 14,700 cases that they talk about as of yesterday, there have been 656 deaths. That is very sad. Uh, however, 92% of that number are people that are either out of the workforce by reason of their age or people that are on their way out of the workforce. And so the question is, now that we know how this disease affects folks, there was just a Journal of American Medical Association study out uh, Wednesday that mm -hmm. showed that those most likely to suffer severe consequences from the disease, 41% of them are obese, 34% of them have diabetes, 57% of them have high blood pressure that is untreated. Uh, those numbers add up to more than 100% because many of those folks have multiple oh. such conditions. Right. We know now who is most likely to be at risk. And so the question is, how do we responsibly open the Ohio economy uh, in an effort to get things moving again? And and we have been trying, and I believe I can say successfully, we have finally convinced the governor's office to release to the public that daily data that the Ohio Hospital Association has been giving them for 10 days to two weeks on the current number of hospitalizations and the current number of ICU cases uh, which puts this in some context and ought to be encouraging news because our biggest task now is to convince the public that we can, we should, and we must move to responsibly reopen the economy. Let me ask you what you mean by responsibly, because uh, you gave me a, you, that was a mouthful there that you just gave me, and there's a lot of stuff I want to respond to, so I'll go reverse order. When we say responsibly, because I listened to the to the governor's you know phased reopening plan on May first, and then I've listened to him almost walk it all back, uh, step by step by step through a lot of word salads over the course of the last few days. Um, yes, that it's only yeah. going to be hospitals, and we're going to have more elective surgeries be allowed to come back open again. But as far as putting the American, or let me re 
rephrase, the Ohio people back to work and getting businesses back on a paying basis, et cetera, it seems like it is going to be slow walked into nowhere. Um, and and, well, and are you in support I, of that phased plan, or do you think that we need well, a million Ohioans to get themselves back to work? Well, well, I don't know what the governor's plan is any more than you do. I, I certainly agree that it is long past time for the ban on elective surgeries to uh, end because we've got folks that have missed their mammographies, their colonoscopies, their knee replacements, uh, their diagnostic tests, their skin cancer uh, lesion treatments, uh, and those things can all have severe medical consequences too. Not right. to mention the fact that the hospitals are losing money hand over fist because they were ordered to clear out their hospitals in anticipation of a surge that never happened. That never and happened. The doctors well, it never happened. Now, we can play a parlor game, Bob, and we can say, well, that was because the models were all wrong to begin with, or we can say, due to the superhuman efforts of the people of Ohio and America and Amy Acton and Mike DeWine, we bent the curve and prevented it from happening. To me, that's a parlor except, game. Except for, except for, but it's not a parlor game, Mr. Representative. It's not. They were wrong. They were flat-out wrong. Amy Acton actually acknowledged that the peak was supposed to be on March 22nd, which was actually the day before or two days before they announced the statewide stay-at-home mitigation. So, you know, the models were wrong from the get-go, but they cannot claim that mitigation made that happen. They were wrong from the beginning. And, and now, let me ask you this. How do you respond, or how would you evaluate, maybe is a better way to say it, because you're not on trial here, but how, how would you evaluate the news yesterday from New York, the 3,000-person antibody test that was done and commissioned by the governor there right. that found that 13.9% of New Yorkers statewide already had this or had antibodies indicating they've already had it and never knew it. Um, that's, that yeah, that, yeah, that means about 2.7 New Yorker, 2.7 million New Yorkers have had this thing, which drops the fatality or the mortality rate down to a half a percent. We cannot stay exactly close for right, a half a percent Bob, mortality that is, rate. <laughs> that, that, that is very consistent with similar studies out of Santa Clara County, California, right. out of Southern California, out of Denmark, out of Iceland. We can look to Sweden, which never had quite as draconian of shutdown measures as we have experienced in Ohio and elsewhere. Very so, true. yes, there is plenty of data. We're not trying to ignore science. We're trying to look at all the science and say, you know what, uh, the fatality rate is nowhere near as grave as has been portrayed, and that indicates that it is time to get back to business. Now, how do we, when I, you ask me what I mean by response, yeah. again, I'm looking to the Ohio House of Representatives, which is, you know, where I work, okay? Mm-hmm. We're going to have social distancing. We're going to have people getting their temperatures taken as they enter the building. We're going to encourage people to meet by telephone and by video conference whenever possible instead of having, like the old days, 20 and 30 interested parties jammed into a conference room uh, arguing with one another as we uh, move bills up towards markup. We're going to do responsible things, uh, uh, and, and I think that provides a template for how any other business can open. 
I've been dealing with, here's a silly little example. Yeah, but, but, but what, I don't, what I don't understand, sir, is, is and, and this is with all due respect, um, it's not about what's going on in the state house. How do we get the plants back open? How do we get the Ford plant back open? How do we get the, you know, the Riddell, I live in uh, Northeast Ohio, the Riddell plant open? How do we, how do we get people back on the manufacturing lines? How do we get people back in the stores? How do we get people like that back well, into their lives? Because again, one million Ohioans are without paychecks now, and right. businesses well, have been closed I, I, forever. I how do we do that? Are the kinds of things that we're going to implement the first week of May in the state house lend themselves to being widely adapted in all other work environments or many other work environments? And and we hope to lead by example and show Governor DeWine and Dr. Acton that yes, this can be done in a responsible way. The current order, I was going to say this, the current order bans all theaters, okay? Yeah. Well, there are a few drive in theaters still left around Ohio and they can't open. And I and so they wrote to me, and I, I shot off to the governor. I said, "Hey, listen, if you say drive-in church services are okay, why in the heck can't we have drive-in theaters?" Okay, so uh, you know, I mean, I had to fight the governor's office for three weeks on golf courses. Uh, there were some that wanted to shut them all down, and frankly, <laughs> yeah. many of the public golf courses were shut down uh, because they didn't want to work. But private golf courses have been re- able to remain open. Uh, under appropriate circumstances. One person to a cart, you know, raise the cup so you don't have to put your hand in the cup and grab other people's golf balls, blah, blah, blah. But, you know, I've been pushing for a responsible uh, uh, relaxation of these orders, and I'm hopeful that the governor will come out with a meaningful set of new uh, proposals on Monday. I don't know which why which brings me which brings today. me in, and I apologize in the interest of time I want to get the last question in here because that's I love that by the way and and you know you say hopefully the governor will follow those guidelines if the governor is resistant if the governor says again I played that clip from yesterday we're just not ready we're just not ready we're just not ready uh, uh, what can you as a legislator or maybe as the legislature especially given the fact that the majority uh, belongs to the president or the uh, governor's party for goodness sakes can you get together in unison and and kind of say hey look we are just as much of an equal part of this government as you are which of course by law you are uh, we demand that you get this thing open now 99. Five percent of the people who get the COVID virus survive. We cannot stay locked down over 0.5 percent. We just cannot. Well, well, Bob, let me let me answer your question. Yes, we could do that, but remember, the governor has a veto. In Pennsylvania, the Republican majority in the House and Senate passed a law uh, uh, overturning or uh, uh, many of the Democrat governor's restrictions. All Republicans voted yes. All Democrats voted no. And the governor vetoed it. Now, in Ohio, it takes two-thirds to override a gubernatorial veto. I will bet you uh, a, uh, a, a shot of your favorite liquor that were we to do what you suggest, all of the Democrats would vote no. The governor, if he didn't like what we did, would veto it, and we would not be able to overturn his veto. You need look no further than Pennsylvania to see what happened, because that's what happened in Pennsylvania. I, I don't disagree, but I would ask you this. Do you think the governor has designs on being a, set, a two-term governor? Uh, I think he does, yes. Okay, well, because I want, this is what I've been telling all of my listeners and trying to encourage others to do that, too. Contact your state representatives because, you know, the, you guys are, of course, up for reelection at various points in time as well. Uh, and the governor is going to want to be reelected. 
if the people of Ohio tell the governor in enough, you know, in no uncertain terms, we we refuse to allow you to keep us under house arrest for 05 percent of the population. Uh, that, yeah. that you know that 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 is that is going to be paling paling in comparison to the number of people who die from poverty, anxiety, stress, depression, suicides, alcoholism, drug overdoses. They're going to be coming from a a, a prolonged or too slow of a reopening. That's what I, the all message very, I want you guys to get very, to the governor because he won't listen to us. All, all, all very true. We had an economy that was turned down the road like a Porsche going 90 miles an hour down the interstate, <laughs> yeah. and it got thrown into reverse, and that does not uh, augur well for our future. So, yes, I agree with all of that. But drop the transmission fairness, right out the floor of our car. Yes, we did. But in fairness now, you have to understand, there's been about 30 days of daily press conferences where Dr. Acton and Governor DeWine have succeeded in uh, convincing large swaths of the Ohio population that they should be very afraid, they should not leave their house, they should stay home, they should cower in their basements, they, uh, and, and so we have and to... And they're wrong! We, we have to restore public confidence that it is indeed safe to go out. This is not yeah. the killer that has been advertised. That's a, that's a great message, uh, uh, Mr. Representative. That is exactly what I want to hear you and every other member of the uh, legislature say, so that the confidence will be for, there for the public, and then the pressure can be applied from the public to the governor to make the right decision here. Uh, Representative Bill Seitz, I thank you so much for your time. I know this isn't easy, and I really appreciate it. Thank you, yeah. sir. Thanks, Bob. All right. Yep. Bye-bye. Be, be healthy, sir. Thank you. 1053. We'll get out and come back in and wrap it up on AM 1420. Okay. Uh, thanks again to Representative Bill Seitz. I, I really, truly believe <clears throat> that our best course of action here is to go through our state representatives and state senators, uh, people like him. To put the pressure on uh, Mike DeWine. Mike DeWine is clearly not listening to you. He's not listening to me. And the legislature needs to put him on the record. I think I heard what Bill Seitz said. Uh, and I think you heard it when I said, why don't you pass something to force him to reopen? And he said, because he would veto it. Okay, then get him on the record and make him think long and hard before he vetoes something that, the, that a massive number of Ohioans want to have happen. Get him on the record and know that when he puts his veto stamp on that uh, that bill that you pass, make him know that this is going to cost him a second term. Make sure that he knows. Because I will tell you this, if Mike DeWine doesn't get rid of Dr. Labcoat and all of her doom and her gloom and her negativity and her, her, her uh, constant, uh, we, we're going to stay locked up for 18 months, and uh, boy, I'll tell you what, it would be a dream if we could make people have to have a certificate proving that they're disease-free in order to go about their business in public. Unless he gets rid of her, and unless he moves to expeditiously open the state of Ohio to commerce again, that he's going to be gone. I will tell you this, I will never vote for him. I will never vote for him, and I hope a great candidate emerges in the Republicans to, uh, on the Republican side to primary him if he does not reverse course. Now, he said last week that he was going to open up a, or start a phased reopening in the month, uh, or excuse me, on the 1st uh, uh, of May. I don't believe him. I think he has started to walk that back every step of the way. 
leading up to yesterday's uh, remark that uh, well we're just we're just not ready. We're just yet. not quite ready to do it. That's what it is. We're just not quite ready. It's. Uh, I, I really don't believe it. And I'll tell you this: if it goes through the summer, if he doesn't let schools commence in the fall, he's done. And I want every legislator in the state house to make sure that he knows that. Speak to those legislators. Speak to the governor himself. Don't forget tomorrow, let Ohio work again protest. One o'clock at the State House. Be there and be a part of the solution, not part of the problem. We'll talk to you Monday. Bye bye. Enjoy the silence.